Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts with John Stephenson. John understands the importance of being prepared. Through rain, rocks, and snow, he has seen it all and survived. He has seen major disasters like Mount St. Helens and how vehicles were stopped in the street from the volcanic ash. Earthquakes, too, including the Loma Prieta earthquake, which felt like it wouldn't stop shaking. People were without electricity and could not hardly buy groceries or gasoline. The homeless lit bonfires in the streets. The Bay Bridge and other freeways were broken. God only knows what will be next. Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts by John Stephenson. We invite Jesus Christ to guide us as we examine how our preparations can be used to preserve the lives of ourselves, our family, and others. In my early years, I would go camping in remote locations. This taught me that I always wanted to have some extra provisions with me so that just in case some kind of a surprise happened, I could still get out of there and not go hungry. I've faced roads that have slid out, trees across roads, and mud, snow, and sand barriers. A few times, I have awoken to find a foot of snow on my sleeping bag. (laughs) It was thrilling. You want to have what you need right on hand to get you through that rough spot. And you want to have an attitude that shouts, where there is a will, there is a way. Whether it is you or someone else in a difficult position, it is of extreme importance to give comfort and to show hope. This reflects the hope and comfort which God gives us. He shows us examples of this in his Bible. God has also given us a rational mind to show us the importance of preparing in this life and preparing for the next life. Everyone has a different approach to what our preparedness needs are and to what our desires are. I urge you to look at what yours are. That is to say, what are the difficulties that you want to prepare for? And then after you have them figured out, take the steps, maybe in weekly increments, to complete those preparations. You could work on everything all at once, but really it's just too expensive to do that, to prepare all at one time. And besides, your ideas usually improve over time as you look at what you really need. There are emergency preparedness kits that are very good, but they're a little bit expensive, and probably they won't cover everything well enough that you want to see that is important to you. So make this examination now before an emergency arises. You keep the basics in mind, air, water, food, and warmth. And with this, consider that you won't have electricity. So you'll want to have flashlights and a radio and plenty of batteries. Batteries are good. And if your loved ones know that you are prepared, it will greatly reduce their anxiety about you. Likewise, if your loved ones are prepared, it will greatly reduce your anxiety about them. And that will make it so you're able to get through any difficulty much easier without the anxiety. So all in all, it's good to be prepared. And I hope you begin to take steps today to see what kind of things you would want to have on hand. Start your preparations now before there is an urgent need and what you want is hard to find. Stores, they really do run out of things with surprising frequency. So get the things well in advance. As for today... Give thanks to God for the blessings that we do have each and every day. Your letters with questions or donations are important. John Stephenson, P.O. Box 7222, Chico, California, 95927. 
Email prepareforgod at usa.com or call 628-7222. Thank you for listening to Preparedness Thoughts on KKXX. My Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art. How great Thou art. Settle up your horses. Welcome to Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. This is the program that proclaims liberty to the captives of our beloved nation, where truth trumps political correctness, where the uncompromised word of God exposes the works of darkness and sets free those held hostage behind the iron curtain of a shamelessly biased media. For God has called us to stand for truth, and having done all to stand, we will stand. It's time to fight the good fight of faith to preserve our country, our families, fortunes, and sacred honor to protect our property, our schools, and yes, maybe even salvage some of our churches. America, we have a trail to blaze. It's time to saddle up. It's time to ride. Now, here is your host of Red Sky Radio, Rob Walter. Well, hello, America, and welcome world to Red Sky Radio, where we ride hard for the brand of Jesus Christ. God bless you all. Uh, as always, another packed program. Uh, we're going to do as much as we can in the 56 minutes that we have of airtime to fit it all in. First of all, I want to let you know, though, if you have any comment, question, criticism, or even a contribution, which is welcome, you may lodge. Well, not the contribution. We don't don't have a PayPal account set up yet. We're switching over. Uh, I don't personally like PayPal, but it looks like we have no choice. But in any event, uh, you may reach me, info at redskyradio.net, info at redskyradio.net. Let's get rolling. As I promised, we begin with good news. I try to end with good news in between. You just hang on. It's a wild ride truth that you will not hear, insights you don't get from the mainstream media or most other outlets. So let's get rolling here. Our good news, and this is great news. Uh, this event that that just occurred in Orlando, Florida, called the Send S E N D, organized by a uh, threesome including Lou Engel of Lou Engel Ministries, uh, also I think Youth with a Mission, sixty thousand Christians gathered in Orlando for what they're calling the Jesus Movement of this next generation. Now. Uh, they have described this as a war on inaction. And I love that. I absolutely love that. This is thrilling to me. Now, don't don't misunderstand me. If there are, are hundreds or thousands of young people, because this is really put on by middle age to older Christians who I think are feeling maybe embarrassed or feeling like we have not, our generation has not done enough to bring along the next generation of Christians, train them, and incentivize them to action, basically teaching them what the gospel says, that there there is this necessity of, a growing necessity of many my age to, to do as much as we can with the remaining time that we have on this planet. So I, I applaud those who have launched this, and I am thrilled that if 60,000 come there, maybe there's a couple of thousand uh, younger students, kid, students, whether students or not, just young people or whatever age that come there that are not Christians, who come there, and in the process of this, they get saved. They give their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. I am thrilled about that. The focus of this, though, seems to be one step beyond that. It is not primarily evangelical. Don't get me wrong. I'm not against crusades. But we have evangelical crusades that have gone on fabulously and famously throughout all of history. This one has a bit of a different purpose. Like I said, it is a call 
uh, to action, meaning it is a war on inaction. They've declared war against doing nothing. They just are called to action, a call to repentance, and a call to service. <clears throat> That's a quote. How this is carried out, certainly if, if there are positive, if there are positive results from this, that those who come there take away a duty and obligation to go serve in some capacity, it will play out in all ways. It could be foreign missions. It could be domestic missions. It could be uh, uh, becoming pastors. But it also could be becoming trial lawyers and judges and going into politics. In other words, it could be uh, carried out at all levels of this country in all places of service that is why we have descended to where we are in the United States is because the gospel has not been taken into the corporate boardroom. The gospel has not been taken into the courthouse, has not been taken into medical practices, not like it was, not like it should, not even close. So the repentance here is for inaction, and the action is not just in the what we might call formal areas of ministry. I hope and trust and true, do believe that whatever success it has, I will call that a success. If it's not as successful as they hope, as far as I'm concerned, it's still a success because it will have accomplished more than doing nothing. Right? I mean, as John Wesley said, uh, he said, the confronting all of the evils that overspread the land is one of the noblest ways of confessing Jesus Christ. What a great statement from Wesley. What a truth that there are many places that will never know the gospel, many people who will never go to the 21st century version of a Billy Graham crusade. They'll never darken the doors of a church house, but because they're in the, all the secular areas, and guess what? The missionaries are more needed in the United States in the secular secular areas than they are in in um, well maybe some parts of the world. We have some of the most unchurched right here in the United States, sitting in corporate boardrooms, occupying courthouses, uh, bar associations, and I say bar associations, uh, not like Garth Brooks talks about or sings about, but I mean as in the legal profession. Nurses, uh, nursing profession, the medical profession, uh, the psychiatric and psychiatrist profession, they are run, controlled by secularists that are increasingly Christophobic and bibliophobic, hating God, hating the Bible, hating Jesus. And this is where our missionaries need to go. So if the send produces people being sent into that those areas to to which few have gone my hats off to you guys way to go all right next piece of good news and it is good news <clears throat> this is a, a, a case of what the enemy intends for evil god will use for good i say this all the time but i keep getting examples of it from the book of genesis joseph was the one that stated that comment and that is, since the Democrats, <clears throat> and you're going to know in a few minutes why I call them Democrats, because we I've gotten pushback on using that term, but you will know completely comprehensively why that is the most accurate term to use, why their machinations, why their productions of wickedness and evil, which, as Wesley said, overspreads the land, why Satan in his attempts, intent and attempts to destroy this country sometimes overplays his hand and he pushes it through the, um, he overplays it by pushing his wickedness through the effort which was successful by the Democrats to stop the bill that the legislature was attempting to pass to protect children born alive after a failed abortion. Here's the good news already that has come out of this. And the wild demonic attempts in the state of Virginia 
to be able to kill children. The governor there, uh, Northam, who who made reference essentially to infanticide, just letting kids die that were born alive that you don't want. In this case, aborted babies. But you know what? You go to aborted babies that, that are not fully aborted and you let them die. What's the distinction between letting them die and any baby that's born to let that baby die? Just because you didn't want it, now you don't you don't want your two year old anymore. You don't want your one year old. Does the I don't want version of of secular hedonism does it rise up to be able to reject any any child at any age? It's already started that way in Europe and the Netherlands. This is this points out Satan's hand overplayed because since we have gone on this anti-life killing crusade of the quintessential death culture of the United States known as the Democrat Party, pro-life stances in one month have risen 17 percentage points. You see, Satan in overplaying his hand reveals who he is. He is the Darth Vader of of the culture. He is the, uh, what's it, from Super Mario Brothers. He's the Bowser. I was in Georgia last week. My five-year-old granddaughter, who likes to get chased around by an alleged monster, wanted me to be Bowser because he's a bad guy from whom you got to escape, right? Well, they're the Bowsers. The Darth Vaders of the world are in the Democrat Party. And yet they're pushing their agenda so viciously, so egregiously do they are they comfortable with murder and infanticide that some people who've been in a virtual drunken stupor over cultural um, miscues here and political uh, debauchery have finally awakened and said, oh my gosh, is this what it's coming to? Is this where the train of death leads to? Yes, it does. And more on that in a bit. But this is good news that we have had this swing. Now, does it stay? <clears throat> I don't know. It's, it's hard to say because the culture keeps moving left. And what the left embraces becomes increasingly mainstream. I mean, look, who would think of tranny this, tranny that, transgender this, transgender blah, 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 tranny fannies all over the place? Who would think that that can be talked about so casually now when only 10 years ago you would barely bring up that word? And even homosexuals had no use for the tranny crowd. They didn't. They did not want the LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ movement altered or somehow tainted by bringing in the trannies. And now everybody's fine with it. Folks, that was 10 years ago. They seemed to be fine with this stuff. And, and now you got the fake, well, no, we'll get to that later, about the fake tranny hate crimes. Well, maybe we'll get to it. I don't know. Because I have to deal with this issue, I know I keep coming back to abortion, but as bad and awful as the queer movement is and the pushing of queerdom at all levels right down to preschool, which Gavin Grusom, Mr. Abortion Supporter number 1, Gavin Grusom is big on and pushing all this stuff in mandatory preschool, which he supports in the state known as California because it executes disproportionately far more innocent unborn children in the womb than any other state. You say, well, they're bigger. Yes, they are. But I'm talking percentage-wise. California is a killing machine with over 150 abortion clinics. Do you think the state would be judged? I would think so. I would think so, but I'm not God. You know, it's in his timing to do what he needs to do. But I'm thinking about something so egregious, so awful, is the entire panoply of Democrat candidates running for president that I'm thinking uh, you can let, let me know whether you think of what you think about this, about the idea of maybe Red Sky Radio would produce a T-shirt and we might how we would do this. This folks, I'm talking so outside my wheelhouse 
of, of comfort here. I don't know anything about this stuff, but we'll find somebody to help handle the merchandising of a fair price T-shirt that says something to the effect of, and this may be only the first. There may be many, many others that would follow, but it would say something to the effect, Democrats support fourth trimester abortion. Democrats support fourth trimester abortion. Of course, you know, trimester means three. There can only be three stages to a pregnancy. So what the fourth means is they, that means they support the, the execution, the allowing to die, which is child endangerment, child neglect, child abuse at the very least, tending to death. Anybody that leaves a child to die should be arrested. Maybe they should be executed. I'm okay with the execution for those who let children who survive an abortion die on a, on a birthing table. Just let them go. My goodness, a soon death would actually be, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's too good for them. No, I'm not, I'm not suggesting torture. That's not biblical. I don't do that. But there is a place for the death penalty. I think this would be one of them. But they support a fourth trimester abortion. The first three, the period of time following the birth that the child is alive, and they support it. Let me know, info at redskyradio.net. If you got another idea for T-shirts, let me know. I just, I, the fact of the matter is Donald Trump is doing such a fabulous job doing what other Republicans would never do, and that is bring it into the face of the left just how awful they are. And I loved, I hated Twitter. I don't use Twitter, but I'm glad Donald Trump's got a Twitter account, even though he embarrasses me. It's the only way he can get around the mainstream media, which is so far left, it is ridiculous. So we end up now with uh, the, the Democrats refusing to support a bill, the, the bill specifically called the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. Which Ben Sass or Sassy, I don't know how you pronounce his name, of Nebraska, introduced, but he said, look, their rejection of this bill is nothing short of barbaric. And I agree. It is barbaric. I have said this for a long time. I have called abortion doctors barbarian butchers for a long time. They they just they're working in a meat market. It just happens to be human meat. And yes, they do deserve the death penalty. That's got to be a crime first. They don't, and then they have to have a fair trial, right? I'm not suggesting we execute anybody before a fair trial, but the fact of the matter is, there should be a death penalty for a performing, um, or certainly, well, let's just start with the most obvious case: letting a baby die. Partial birth abortion, spoken of and spoken against uh, in the Book of Exodus. The Hebrew midwives, they refused to commit partial birth abortion when Pharaoh ordered them to kill all Hebrew males that come out of the womb. Well, the Hebrew midwives refused it, and God honored them. It says God blessed them and gave them houses. He rewarded them for disobeying the most important civil authority on the face of the earth, and God blessed them. No, there is a time to get back in the face of these individuals and just in the face with a T-shirt. You don't have to say anything. Now, I'm going to explain to you after this next story, this next piece, why the left is so unbelievably up in arms. Yeah, a lot of it has to do with hating Donald Trump, and they're going to hate anything he supports and support anything he hates just because they're sorry losers. All the, all the leftists running for president are a pack of wimpy, whining, sorry losers. Sorry, that's judgmental, Rob. But hey, I know a tree by its fruit. I know a wimpy, whiny loser when I see one. That's the fruit being produced. Now, I, and I mentioned before, if you wanted to get rid of abortion, all Donald Trump would have to do is come out for it. And they are so knee-jerk reflexive that they'd come out and be against it because he's for it. Well, of course, I'm saying that facetiously because somewhere Nancy Pelosi, in a rare, sober moment, 
would realize what the president just did, and she'd come around and slur her way back to a retraction and take back her uh, opposition to uh, Trump's abortion bill, <laughs> pro-abortion bill. Well, anyway, um, Michael Brown, a Messianic Jew, I, I, I love what Michael writes. Uh, he, he brought out a piece here in Charisma News. I read him often. I quote from him occasionally. I'm going to quote from him today. But, and I have to make a slight correction. This just came out a couple of days ago. Uh, the title of the article, if you like to read it, it's a great article. It's all six Democratic presidential candidates vote for infanticide. And that's true. They have essentially voted for infanticide. If you can make the step from killing a child in the first trimester to killing the child then in the second trimester to killing the child as the child comes out the womb in a partial birth abortion to then allowing the death of the child that survives the abortion, born alive to die, you are right at the precipice of the next step. As I said earlier in this program, I am sick and tired of this three-month-old. He's he's not letting me go to the bars at night. He's cramping my lifestyle. Or she's, uh, I can't get a sitter and, and the child's sick. It's ruining my life. Let's get rid of him. I don't want the child. Because that's the only criteria, the only criteria, folks, for this to happen is for the mother to say, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want. You see why I call them whining little crybabies? The left, the mentality, and all six presidential candidates on the left have voted for a little self-indulgent, whining, crybaby, selfish, murderous, evil, wicked perspective on human life, innocent human life. If somebody is going to, you're going to let die, let somebody die who frankly deserves to die. But there's that scripture. I think it's in Jeremiah. I don't have the address. God says that there are those who, are, who should die. And you have let live. And there are those who should let live, that you should allow to live, that you have executed. You see, God calls out the nation of Israel in the depth of its sin for letting people who should be executed, letting them live, and then for killing those that are innocent. Innocent blood being shed, guilty blood being spared. God calls them out for that injustice. You want to talk about social injustice or social justice? Let's do that. Let's kill those who should should die, and let's protect and keep alive those who we should keep alive. You see why this is called infanticide. The only, only requirement as a mother just says, I don't want, I don't want. Well, I haven't quoted from Brown's article here yet, but I better because I, I noted him here. So let's, he said, all six of the Democratic senators currently running for the 2020 presidential nomination voted against the bill. Cory Booker, Sherrod Brown, Kristen Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, Amy, I don't even know how to pronounce her name. This is how, how uh, recognizable she is. What a household name she is, Amy Klobuchar, Klobuchar, I don't know. And Elizabeth Warren. And then Bernie Sanders has come out. And actually, just before we went on air here today, the governor whose name now escapes me of Washington, kind of another leftist loser from Seattle. Uh, not all Seattle listeners are losers. No, we actually have a lot of Seattle listeners because they're, they're searching for a realm of sanity, truth, and righteousness, and a sea of sin, uh, which has uh, become what Seattle reflects, sin and stupidity. All six of them, I don't know where that guy is, but all six of them, which probably includes that guy, which would be now be seven, all have become the party of death, says Brown, by having opposed this bill. Now, I want to do something that I rarely do, and that is I want to actually read to you the legislation 
that was rejected by the Democrats. And before I do this, because eh, you know what, we're going to go into a break in a minute. I'm going to have to hold off. Um, I have been getting criticism for the use of the word Democrat. In fact, a good friend of mine um, mentioned the other day that having picked up on the term and he used it, the, the, the pushback and the flack that he got for using the word Democrat. I have had people criticize it and say, hey, that's not very inviting. It's pretty judgmental. Well, you know what? Again, I'm going to judge a tree by its fruit. We actually are commanded to judge actions. And I'm going to come back to this reading this statute in a minute after we go to a break. But people quote scripture properly. It says, judge not lest you be judged. Here is what you cannot judge. And here is what you must judge. You cannot judge the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That is the province of God. He alone judges the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And the, and when it says judge not lest you be judged means that if you judge the thoughts and the intents of someone else's heart, then someone else is going to judge the thoughts and the intents of your heart. And both may be terribly wrong. However, it says in 1 Corinthians, it says, judge righteous judgment. Now, wait a second. Here it commands us to judge. What does it command you to do? When it says to judge righteously, you judge actions. In fact, you must judge actions. A parent must judge the actions of a child. Maybe not the thoughts, the intents of the heart. That's not even been given to the parent. The teacher must judge the actions of a student. A judge and a jury must judge the actions of or non-actions of a defendant who's alleged to have committed a crime. You see, we don't get to judge the thoughts and the intents of a heart. That's why when the old J trial, which I know dates me, goes back, what, 20 years or so or something? They kept trying to prove motive, but motive is not a requirement to be proven in any crime. The founders of this country, being directed by biblical truth, understood that motive could never be a requirement to prove a crime because it has not been given to man to judge the thoughts of the heart. No motive was, but we do judge the actions. And from the actions, you can conclude whether what was done was intentional or accidental. It's all out of the Bible. That's why we have what we have in American jurisprudence. So when I say, and I, could, and I, and I say something that you might consider judgmental, do I cross the line sometimes? Absolutely. Yeah, sometimes I'm texting and I drift over the yellow line, maybe, speaking metaphorically, of course. But my thought is and my intent is to judge the action. So when we come back from the break, I am going to read you what the Democrats rejected, and you will know why my calling them Democrats has been accurate, is accurate, and why going into the future it will become even more accurate because you will see what's in their heart. It is from the pit of hell. It is from the devil himself. Don't go away. Rob Walter will be right back with Red Sky Radio. Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter is a listener-supported program. Please know that 100% of your contribution goes to pay for airtime so that as many people as possible are able to hear that the Word of God has answers to every meaningful problem and issue in life. No one gets paid a salary at Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter, but in response to your support, we pledge to bring you the most timely and critical information you need to help make informed decisions in this age of media bias and a growing hostility to all things Christian. Your partnership makes you one of the watchmen on the wall with us, as described in the book of Ezekiel. Please send your support to Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 
888-888-85358. Thank you. We are back. This is Rob Walter with Red Sky Radio. I've just, uh, I got to take a little diversion here for a second. Uh, listening to the song Katmandu, I received my first email today from Nepal, from um, party who likes the program. God bless you guys. For those of you who don't know, Katmandu is the capital of Nepal. Um, others that, that uh, host this program have heard from people from Nepal. And uh, I've just, I've, uh, thank you to the party who wrote. Uh, I, I'm, I'm humored, actually, that that having picked this song a number of years back because I love the song, that this program would one day be airing in Nepal. God bless you guys. Hope to hear more from you. Okay, going back to why I call them Democrats, this rejection of the Born Alive Abortion Survivor Protection Act is proof positive of the depth of the evil that's resident and growing and metastasizing throughout the Democrat Party, which I call Democrat. I am going to read what they rejected, and you tell me if that moniker, now Democrat, is inappropriate. Section 1532, Requirements Pertaining to Born Alive Abortion Survivors. I want to stop here a second. I feel I just felt like the Holy Spirit told me to tell the people in Ireland, we have a fair amount of listeners in Ireland, to listen closely to this. You, Not you personally who listen, but your wonderful country, your green, verdant, beautiful land that produces great music, I, I, I love the country of Ireland and never been there, but everything I've heard and seen, I love that country. You just adopted and embraced abortion. Listen up, because this is what is coming your way in the process of time. The abortion train doesn't stop, and it is intended to crush and roll over any opposition that arises because it can ill afford to have a light of righteousness shown on its dastardly deeds, the ugliness and the wickedness of child sacrifice. Okay? So listen up, because this may be coming to you. Requirements pertaining to born-alive abortion providers. Well, this statute needs to be in Ireland, but what's coming to you is the rejection of something as sane and as moral as you're about to read or hear. Requirements for healthcare practitioners in the case of an abortion or attempted abortion that results in a child born alive. One, the degree of care required immediate admission to a hospital. Any healthcare practitioner present at the time a child is born alive shall a exercise the same degree of professional skill, care, and diligence to preserve the life and health of the child as a reasonably diligent and conscientious healthcare practitioner would render to any other child born alive at the same gestational age. And B, following the exercise of skill, care, and diligence required under the previous paragraph, ensure that the child born alive is immediately transported and admitted to a hospital. Part 2. A healthcare practitioner or any employee of a hospital, a physician's office, or an abortion clinic who has knowledge of a failure to comply with the requirements of this section shall immediately report the failure to an appropriate state or federal law enforcement agency or to both. B. Penalties. Whoever violates this shall be fined, imprisoned, for not or, or imprisoned for not more than five years or both. Intentional killing of a child born alive. Whoever intentionally performs 
or attempts to perform an overt act that kills a child born alive, described under this section, shall be punished under subsection 1111 of this title for intentionally killing or attempting to kill a human being. Now understand this. This is a key provision of this law, that the health care practitioner, loosely so called, I mean, look at this. The, the, the statute is even allowing a, a barbarian butcher to be called a health care practitioner. So where is the health in the killing? Where is the care in the killing? And where is the practice? The practitioner, except it, I mean, it should be executioner. Maybe it should be health care executioner. Anyway, the law, the statute gives them this deference of being called a health care practitioner, which is the worst of euphemisms when it's a death care ex- a practitioner. But it requires them to exercise the same degree of professional care, skill, and diligence to preserve the life and health of a child as a reasonably diligent and conscientious health care practitioner would render to any other child born alive at the same gestational age. Now, why is this a problem to the pro-aborts? Is this why this why is this a problem to the death squad? Because as, what it says as a reasonable as any other reasonably diligent and healthcare conscientious healthcare practitioner. Well, look, all the other reasonably diligent healthcare practitioners are those in hospitals that when a child has been born prematurely or there's a complication at birth, they are doing that. They are being healthcare professionals. They are conscientious practitioners. And see, they, this bill calls to question and requires of the death squad the same thing that the life squad does. That's why they are, that's why they are so convicted and guilty, feeling guilty of their sin and their evil and their crime is because, gosh, who, who in the Senate dares and has the right to call us, the killers, to the same standard as the life givers and life protectors exhibit. This is just, this is just, you know, it's unbelievable. I mean, as Bra- and Brown says, we now have come to the point that infanticide is up for debate. Under no conceivable circumstances should any person of conscience vote against a bill designed to protect a living baby outside the womb. And that means to vote against such a bill is to betray a woeful lack of conscience. So, quoting Brown here, how did these Democrats justify their vote? According to Senate Minority Leader Chucky Schumer, well, I call him Chucky, he says, Chuck Schumer, the bill, quote, is carefully crafted to target, intimidate, and shut down reproductive health care providers, end quote. I got to ask this question. What is reproductive about killing? Isn't it reductive, not reproductive? But you, it, how can something that kills be reproductive? We also know, look, look at the euphemism. It's not reproductive. You're not reproducing. You're killing. You're not expanding. You're diminishing. You're not increasing. You're reducing. It isn't health care. It's death care, and they aren't providers or executioners. Because Chucky Schumer does not have the gonads to say it like it is, that they are abortion providers. They aren't health care, reproductive health care providers. And this nonsense goes up and down the line. This, folks, is why they are Democrats. If you are fine with the execution, which it might as well be an execution, if you facilitate the death of a child there by not giving it care, not giving it water, not giving it food, not wiping the blood off the, the, the child, not doing this, let it, let, hey, you you barbarian butchers, why don't you stand around and take some pictures and put it on your Facebook page as advertising? You see why I support the death penalty for this? I think this bill is too mild. But the Democrats cannot handle it. I'm going to go back to an analogy. 
some of you have heard this forever. You've probably, you just say, oh, Rob, not again. You're not going to do this analogy again. I, I will tell you, it just becomes more and more truthful. It becomes more and more applicable to our times. I could, and when I use this analogy before, it was somewhat facetious because I didn't really think we would get there, but we are. Here's the point. The left has always called those who are pro-life the extremists, the far right wing, those who would actually protect life. So this is my analogy. It's the airplane analogy because they call it the extreme right wing. Well, if you actually care about innocent, unborn human life, and now you care about innocent, born human life, and you are on the extreme right wing, what is the left wing? A plane does not fly without two wings. You cannot fly with one wing. Maybe it could. Maybe go around in circles like my busted, you know, airplanes I flew as a kid. I lose a wing and go, and that was it. You can't fly with one wing. The left is so guilty of its sin, it recognizes that in the effort to justify their wicked, heinous deeds, they have to impose and push onto another unsuspecting generation called children and young people how good it is to abort and how rightful it is for the, for the woman to be able to do that. They have to keep doing that so they can feel good about their dastardly deed. They have to help and encourage others to commit murder so they feel better about their own murder. That's what it comes down to because there's only other one way out, and that's confess it to Jesus. Let him wash all the blood away, yours and the child that you killed. Wash it away, and you're a new person. But if you can't do that, you have to deal with your sin, and you and they can't do that. So what do they do? To alienate, I mean, imagine this, the far right wing extremists are the ones who believe that innocent life in the womb should be protected, and now innocent life outside the womb should be protected, and you're the extreme right wing. The reason they have to make the pro-life people the extreme right wing is because they want to present to the world that they're mainstream. They want to present to the world that they occupy the cabin. They are in the fuselage, that they are in the middle. And to and for for butchering barbarians to be in the middle, you have to make those who treasure and value life an extremist. So the question I have raised multiple times, if those who love life are on the right and those who embrace the culture of death occupy the cabin, then what's the left-wing position on abortion? What's out on the left-wing? Using the leftist positioning of these of our, uh, of our placement on this uh, makeup airplane, this imaginary airplane. And so in the past, I've said, somewhat facetiously, I've said, so what's the left-wing position on abortion? Killing all Hebrew males in Bethlehem, two years old and younger? Is that the left-wing position? I said it facetiously. It's not facetious anymore, folks. That is the left-wing position. And it's, and it's made it to the birthing table under the I don't want, the I don't want category now gives way for the next act of extremism that you wanted to see who the real extremist is. Just look at Satan. What has he ever done that is good, healthy, wise, and and mainstream for the health of society? Nothing. The guy's a is a killer. He's a serious meaning. What he come to do? Death, destruction. You know that's that's what he is. So here we are. If the left is insistent now. That mainstream includes, by their own definition, sitting in the middle the, the, uh, of the cabin. They're in the cabin. In the fact, they're so far in the middle, they even have an aisle seat. 
includes being able to allow children born alive to die. Then my analogy, somewhat facetious for the last 10 years, about the left wing being the execution of two-year-old Hebrew boys in Bethlehem, two years old and younger, is not so far-fetched. It could just be any two-year-old. It could be any one-year-old. It could be any two-year-old. The next thing will be allowing to die the six-month-old who has Down's syndrome and go on and on with the left wing. Me, me. It's not a Me Too movement. It's just a Me, me movement. That's what the left is. It's the Me, me movement. And so now you know why I call them Democrats. Maybe the term was ahead of its time. Because all you have to to see is where is a party coming from to see where it's going. When the Democratic National Convention several years ago threw God out, they, they, they tossed Jerusalem into the garbage can and Israel into the garbage can. They pushed pro-death stuff. I mean, you know what? Why would something heading in a certain direction change course? I mean, if you've got five dots going northeast, guess what dot, uh, what direction the sixth dot will probably lies in from the fifth dot, northeast. Yeah, I'm pointing to New York or west to western Venezuela, uh, also or previously known as California. So it's easy to predict, and this is the issue: the pro-abort locomotive is a train that has picked up speed, and at no point can they possibly ever, ever let anyone slow that train down, lest in slowing it down, you become incrementally closer to bringing it to a stop. And if you bring it to a stop, you are now much more, much closer to being able to turn the train around. You can't stop it unless you slow it down. And you can't turn it around unless you stop it. This is why the pro-aborts go maniacal, why they start foaming at the mouth at anything that would possibly slow down as, what's his name, Josh uh, Turner saying, the long black train, the train of death. That's why you, they will not stop at anything to crush the pro-life movement. And because the minute anything finally shows up on legislative books, finally is decided in a court that said, you know what, this has gone too far. The train of death starts to slow down. It has finally brought by one act, in this case, the, the Born Alive Survivors Protection Act, by one act brings into question or b- begins, to br- begins to bring into question the whole abortion mentality because we finally arrived at something that is decidedly, demonically, and wickedly wrong to a perverse degree. And once you do that, now the mind starts to say, My gosh, if we have gone too far here, maybe something else we've gone too far. You see the the problem? This is why the pro-aborts, trying to speak through their their sloppy, sloppiness and, and, uh, what's the word I'm going for here? Uh, It's Nancy Pelosi I'm, I'm trying to get to here where she slurring, that's the word, the sloppy slur of a semi or fully intoxicated legislature, legislator right down to the foaming at the mouth wickedness that comes out of Warren, Booker, Harris, right on down the line. All the Democrats, all of the Democrat presidential candidates now support infanticide. So now you know why we call them Democrats. They Instead of running the risk of the train slowing down, have now become the maniacal crazy engineer and have put the pedal to the metal.
They have they have rammed the throttle down to full speed in this train. And they said the only way we can keep this train from slowing down is to speed it up. And we have to pick up the pace of the pro-abort, pro-death, death culture, which this party represents. We have got to go at it full speed. And if we go at it full speed, we're going to make it harder for the people who love life and love righteousness to slow it down. This is where they have made a miscalculation. Do you remember when I said earlier in the program that this outbreak of fanatical, maniacal demonism in the Democrat Party has swung the pro-life numbers up 17 points? This is where the enemy of our souls overplays his hand. Because when you put the pedal to the metal, when you ram the throttle down and say, look, the one way we can keep this train from slowing down is to speed it up, guess what happens? The Democrats come to a curve in the track. And the curve is designed for a certain speed. And the train now can no longer stay on the track. The Democrats derail under their own philosophy under their own political mandates and mantra of death, death, death to all, death to whoever we want to let die in the birthing rooms and in the abortion clinics. The abortion clinics are still birthing rooms, are they not? It's just that they're born dead. They're dead babies. They're just not live babies. This is where we are. Now, I am thrilled that there is a pro-life movement growing among our young people, that young girls are seeing that, hey, this isn't pro-woman. Half the kids that are executed are female. Why do you use my body as a political tool to help you feel better, 30, 40, 50, 60-year-old men and women, to feel better about your dastardly deeds? You're trying to push it on me. Here is a sobering conclusion. But I'm ending, really, I think on a high note because the truth is coming to light. A recent poll has, or not poll, but study has reported that the number one killer worldwide, you and Ireland, listen up, the number one killer worldwide is abortion. 2018, 41.9 million, of course, this is an estimate, children were killed in the womb or exiting the womb. Now understand that these deaths from abortion exceed the combined total of those that died from cancer, AIDS, lung-related lung issues, or lung issues related to smoking, alcohol, malaria, and traffic accidents. Take the worldwide death toll from cancer, HIV, smoking-related issues, alcoholism, malaria, and traffic accidents. Abortion, death by abortion, exceeds all of those worldwide. So here's T-shirt idea number two. The number one killer worldwide is abortion. See, I got, we've got the second one already. Let me know what you think of that. I just got to find somebody to come forward who wants to make a buck. I don't want to make any money on this, but who's, who shares in this. But if you want to make a buck, I am fine with that. If, you are a, if you're an entrepreneurial guy or gal who says, you know what? I think we should begin to market these things because not only do I need a job, but, it, but the job, it becomes a ministry for me.
KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR. From townhall.com, I'm Keith Peters. Mark Zuckerberg is promising a more privacy-friendly Facebook. Zuckerberg says Facebook will emphasize new privacy-shielding messaging services. It would allow users to communicate in truly private fashion, with their opinions and pictures shielded by encryption in ways Facebook itself can't read. But Zuckerberg didn't suggest any changes to Facebook's core news feed and groups-based service, or to Instagram. He told the AP he doesn't think the more public tools will go away. Facebook has had a spotty history of privacy control over the past two years. That includes the sharing of personal information from as many as 87 million users with a political data mining firm that worked for the 2016 Trump campaign. I'm Ed Donahue. The growing controversy over anti-Semitic remarks from a freshman Democrat threatens to overshadow other work on Capitol Hill. Louisiana Steve Scalise accusing Democrats of condoning comments by Ilan Omar. It's time that Nancy Pelosi stand up to Congresswoman Omar and remove her from the Foreign Affairs Committee. New York's Hakeem Jeffries says Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has no business calling anti-Semitism fashionable among some House freshmen. And when has he ever said 